God, I know a lot of words will be said today, and maybe some words are going to sting us somewhat, um, but I just ask that you know what we need to hear, and I just pray and I ask, God, that you just speak to us what we need to hear, wherever we are, God. I pray that you invite us to this con- into this conversation so that this is not just something that we do once, God, but we continue this conversation. I pray, God, that you open our hearts up to be challenged, maybe to be convicted, maybe to be confronted. Maybe, God, we're going to need to repent after this is all said and done. Father, I just pray that you soften the hearts of each and every person here, God. And I pray that you just speak to us clearly about your heart, your ways, and what you would have for us. In Jesus' name. Uh, Psalm 68, verses 5 through 6. I'm going to read this first, and then I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about. If you have your Bibles, Psalm 68, verses 5 through 6. It says this, God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless and a champion of widows. God provides homes for those who are deserted. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious live in a scorched land. A lot of times when we talk about certain things, uh, certain things that may be uncomfortable, we, we tend to overlove people and, and, and have a hard time trying to find words that are true. And so what I want to do with this, uh, in this series is to kind of combine truth and love and lead in love and, and use truth as like salt to flavor some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Because some of these topics, the reason they're hot topics, the reasons that people and churches don't talk about them and they avoid them is because people don't know how to talk about them. Uh, we have politicized so many things. And so with this topic, as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh, here we go. Um, but today what I really want to talk about is, uh, ready? Abortion. Abortion. For some of us, when you say abortion, some of you who are here or watching, you get self-righteous because you never had one. So you feel like you're more on top and it's easier for you to point someone else's sin out and as a church we have not communicated on the topic of abortion correctly and and not all churches and not all christians i and 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 let me even kind of back up just for a second in the political scene right now abortion is a humongous topic and a lot of the biblical perspectives on abortion you will not hear in mainstream media you will not hear them for one of two reasons one There are churches who do speak on these topics, and they do it very intellectually, very loving, and very informative, but no one is going to communicate those things to you. But but they will feed you, you know, those picketed, you know, signs walking around shouting and saying hell and damnation to you. If you're going to commit abortion, you're you're a murderer, and, and, and produce this really hateful, which then triggers those who are who've had an abortion or who are wanting to have an abortion, it triggers them to kind of like stay away and not just stay away from Christianity or the particular group of people, but, but then they get twisted and they put God in this 
in this place where God's like looking at them sternly and it's like, you know, who, who. And so they, they feel very, very small in those instances. And this is not to say that we should not speak the truth, but we sometimes fail to communicate sensitive topics like this in love. Not, not to say that, oh, just do your thing. God still loves you. No, but to be able to love on people, to be able to step in, to have a conversation, to invite people instead of just, you know, addressing for some people it's obvious, for other people it's not, and it's such a confusing topic. And so I just want to kind of, if you are, you know, in a place where, where, where maybe you've had an abortion this morning, I just want to tell you that God loves you, that this message is not to kind of point a finger at you. It's not to kind of make sure that you get convicted. It's, not make, it's, it's, it's just to kind of, we're going to talk about this, but I just want to say that God loves you. We love you. We, there's a community of people who, are, who will love you no matter what you've done in your past and no matter where you are today. I would hate for someone to leave here and say anything else than, wow, I disagree with them, but they love me. I can come here and I can still do my thing and I know that they're not just going to be hypocritical um, about like, this topic specifically. So I just want to really just communicate. My heart is not to condemn any single person. It's not in my position to do it. That's above my pay grade to do anything like that. Uh, I just want to really just express again that you are loved in this house. And not just in this house, but God truly still loves you. Please hear that. If you don't hear anything else and if you leave even more confused... Please walk away with God loves me no matter my past. And God will show you. God will show up in your life. He really will. But this is why I read that God, is a, is, God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless. You know, he is a champion for widows. He is wanting to come alongside people who are, who are broken, who are misunderstood, who are, who are misplaced, who have been you know, crushed by religious uh, people pointing fingers at them or, or by people embracing something that, you know, pushing them to embrace a lie. Um, but our God is a champion for, for widows, and he provides homes for those who are deserted. God loves us. He really, really does. But God's not just going to love us and say, do what you want. Avoid, you know, he's, he's not going to be like just everything's covered in love, everything, don't worry about it. No, there is some stuff that we need to talk about. And some of these things are hard to, to dissect and to talk. But God sees you. I just want you to know God sees you. God sees me. He hears you. He hears me. And, um, and God has a desire to redeem us. And if you don't find yourself in this, you know, relating to this abortion topic personally, you still have issues in your life. God's still in the business of wanting to redeem you as well. So we, I'm going to make sure not to leave anyone out this morning. Um, God does not want to shame us based on our past, but he wants to shape us into the future so that it, everything works out for your good and his glory. I love that about God. I so love that about God. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. Is pro-choice pro-choice? Who's choosing and for whom is pro-life against women? This is the, the biggest conversation that we're, that, that we're hearing right now, especially with some of the laws that have been passed that I'll get to in a second. But here is the thing. The world wants us to just divide pro-choice, pro, pro-life, 
put terminology, political left, political right, you're in this camp, you're in, in that camp. And so whichever camp you find yourself this morning, can I ask you to kind of come out from your camp and come under the camp of Jesus for a second? If you don't, if you don't, please do. <laughs> All right, please do. No, seriously, because if you don't, you may misunderstand what I'm trying to say. And, 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 and let's, let's, let's try to see something in a fresh perspective. Uh, and maybe God will show us something. And I think he wants to. This is not a left or a right issue. This is, in my opinion, and I think biblically speaking as well, this is a, a human issue. This involves all humanity, and we need to continue to talk about this, continue to, to talk about truth, and uh, do it in love. Um, in, this, in this debate, in this topic, there's a lot of things that come up as to why our person is pro-choice or pro-life, whether they think that abortion is, is okay and someone doesn't think it's, it's not okay. And I want to tackle a few of these things and just want to create a conversation. And again, one more time, I want to say this, that if you have any questions or anything, just email or text them to us. Um, We'd love to um, even continue this conversation until next week with a lot of the Q&A because I really want us to kind of begin to see things through God's perspective. Um, so the, the first one that you may have heard, and for me, like, I'm just going to speak plainly and, pr and just for me, like, how I think about it, all right? So you may disagree on certain things. It's all right, right? Are you with me? Raise your hand. You give? Okay, good. All right. First one, people say, it's my body, right? A woman will say, this is uh, my body and I can do whatever I want with my body. And on the surface, it sounds really good because it really, um, it really talks about that this is a woman's right. Her, this is her body. She can do what she wants to do. But I think if you really kind of dissect that, that you can have a conversation that basically, that basically introduces the fact that, no, this is not just your body. There is actually another body, another person inside of you. There's another person inside of you. And for Christ followers specifically, um, we are not our own. We belong to God. So this body is God's body for both male and female. But I think that if, you, if, we, if we can have a conversation on the fact that this is my rights, this is my body, the truth of the matter is that when, um, when a baby is aborted, it's a living being inside, a, inside another body that's aborted. So a, a, a woman is not like kind of getting rid of her kidney, which is part of her body. But it, it's a little more deeper than that. There is a, a little body, like scientifically even, and we're going to get into it in a second. So, so just even if you're like, okay, I see where you're going with it, just, just kind of like hear this whole thing out because I want to talk about some scientific stuff and biblical stuff and legal stuff. Um, but the first one is this whole concept of my body. I think there's a conversation that we need to have about what that really means for certain people. Number two, um, people um, are okay with abortion um, because maybe it's conditional or circumstantial conception. Um, part of like someone's raped or, or there's incest involved and I think those are really just horrific and it's really hard to talk about these things um, and just I just really, really we just love you if, if, you, if you have experienced that and some of these uh, laws uh, really are you know are, are um, they, they defend that kind of an abortion where you say hey in these situations there's, there are exceptions um, or in other circumstances is that um, abortion is committed for example that if like a mom you know, it's, like, it's either the mom's life or the baby's life, you know. 
But the bigger conversation that we have is that, hey, what about this? What about this? I think we should do, we should have abortions because of this. But in those instances, rape or incident, that's like really less than 1% of abortions are performed for those reasons. So I don't want to dismiss those, but, I, but I, at the same time, I really want to talk about that that is, that is really like just 1% of, of, of those situations um, are in that category. Um, and, but the other, the other thing to that is, how is that the baby's fault? Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that my mom said a while ago. My mom, she's gonna love me. But she, my mom said, why don't they just circumcise men who rape other people, but not really circumcise them biblically, but just circum... Oh, I'm just saying circumcise. <laughs> Um, and my mom was a very godly woman, um, <laughs> but those things, those things do infuriate God. If you think that God is lovey, hubby, cushiony, bear type, no, those, these incidents, when there is injustice done, it, 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 it pokes the heart of God, and there will be justice, because God is a just God. There will be justice. Um, when we, when we were having our babies, um, they wanted to give us all these uh, uh, vaccinations, and, and, um, and they wanted to make sure, you know, do all these scans, and Maria, she's like, as natural, she, that's, the, that's her direction, you know. Um, and uh, with every scan, she's like, do we really need to? And, and we were asking, like, why are we scanning the, you know, um, the, the baby and, and all that? And they're like, well, just in case, you know, um, if it's like has some sort of disabilities, then you, guys, then you guys can choose if you really want it or not. And this is just random people. And, and Maria and I, we, when we heard that in casual conversation, we had to take a breath and, and be like, wait, hold, hold on, what? Like, like this is really a, a legitimate reason where we're offering to abort people who are disabled or, or can have potential issues in their life. I know, I know a lot of, we have people in our family who, are, who have Down syndrome, and they're just like the, the most awesomest, lovable, a lot of people need to be around people who have some uh, disability because they will bring them back to loving life. Um, but, I, but I think but that is, you know, maybe for you, you're like, oh, those are whatever. But this is some people really make decisions based on, on some of these things, and some of them are a little more serious than the other. I think the biggest conversation that we're having is the, con the, the idea of, of personhood. Um, and, you know, what is a person? When does it become a person? And so, um, I mean, the conversation is really serious because right now we have this, we have this idea that, that inside the womb it's not a person, but right outside the womb it is a person. And I, when I was, um, just, as I was researching this, I was listening to a story where, where this couple, they lost, they had a miscarriage, and, um, and then they're talking to this person. And around the same time, this, the person they're talking to, they had an abortion. And this couple had a miscarriage. And... One is mourning the loss of their baby. The other one is, I wouldn't say celebrate, but they're relieved that they were able to perform an abortion. So the, the dynamics are real. The conversations are, 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 are like gut-wrenching. Um, but there's a guy here locally, um, he posted this thing on Facebook. Um, his name is Farron Cole. He said, biologically born or unborn, the moment the sperm and the egg unite and implant on the um, uterine wall, this, biologically, this biological uh, specimen, whether you call it a uh, blastocyst, a zygote, a baby, a jelly bean, or Tommy, 
biologically, biologically speaking, all of the DNA and, material, and the materials needed for unique personhood is present. And, um, and so I just want to do, you know, I, I, a, few, a few interesting facts about a baby in the womb. Uh, for me, this is really like, this is kind of interesting because if you don't really like look for these things, you, you really don't really know. And even we have four kids. And these things I didn't really know uh, previously to having these kids. It was just, for me, it was, it was interesting because, because for me, it was like, Maria's pregnant. Okay, honey. The baby kicked. Okay, honey. Um, you know, yes, it's coming. It's growing. Okay, honey. You look, you look good, honey. And it was like, it was, it was like yeah, you know, I, I, I see. I believe you. But it became real, real, real to me. Like, there, that is really a baby is whenever she delivered. Was, and, then for, and then all the, the, those nine months, you know, to me, it's kind of like it, it shifted the, per, the perspective of how I even think about it. Looking at this baby, thinking, oh, this was in you this whole time. That's crazy. That is crazy. People think that people don't, 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 are not raised from the dead or they're not healed physically. And miracles don't happen. We're just living in a materialistic world. I tell them, yo, you used to be in a woman's stomach. Like, that is, like, you think about that. Amen. You know, you think about it. Each and every person was in, like, like, and, and there was food going in, food going out, but the baby still remained. <sighs> but at that conception... <laughs> When that happens, um, uh, the baby or the, or the fetus, as some people call it, or whatever you, your, your name for it, I'm just going to call it a baby for the sake of our conversation, it has all 46 uh, human chromosomes. At four weeks, it has eyes. At six weeks, it has legs. At eight weeks, it has all of its major organs functioning. It has a heartbeat, brain activity. It's aware of discomfort, so if there's a needle or anything that's poking in, it kind of distances itself from potential harm. It's, it's reactive, it reacts, it, it knows how to suck its thumb. Like, you know, yeah, fetuses suck their thumbs, and so do babies. Has a fingerprint, has its own DNA. I think those are some compelling facts to say, uh, uh, you know what, even though the baby is inside another body, it is not the same body. Uh, to me, like, it kind of, it, it, it makes sense, like, I, I, can, I can, okay, I can go with that. And, and if you don't believe it, just, just, just roll with it, just, just roll with it, just, just for today. Uh, have I offend, offended anybody yet? Uh, well, of course, you're going to raise your hand. <laughs> At 21 weeks, uh, the fetus or the baby can live outside the womb with a little help. Um, another way of looking through the whole personhood thing, this helped me a lot, is um, they, they have this terminology called, just look at it in the form of sled, the word sled, S-L-E-D, and this is kind of how, how, they, how they phrase it, just to see, you know, is it, is it a person, is it a human, or is it just tissue? Because I think that if we, if we talk about it as tissue, we have one way of looking at it, but if, we, if it really genuinely is a baby, then I think it's going it's, it's to shift our perspective on that, right? I mean, who wants to kill little people? Nobody, nobody, nobody does. So it's not a matter of people are like, oh, we're just murderers or whatever. No, there's, there's genuine conviction in one direction or another. But this really helped me, uh, S-L-E-D, and maybe you've heard of this, but uh, the first thing that, he, that, that 
that's kind of like to say, is it a human or not, is, um, is all about size and appearance. So the questions to consider, do humans lose value when they don't look right to us? So when, when the baby's in the womb, it's small, it doesn't look right to us. So the question is, is it still, does it still have human value if it doesn't look right? Does size equal value? Some of you are like, well, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> McDonald's got it. Size, okay. Are husbands more valuable than their wives? Are stronger people, those who go to the gym and CrossFit, more valuable? They may think they are, but... <laughs> um, whereas... Our priests... Are preschoolers less valuable than teenagers because they're smaller? So, so the whole thing of size and appearance, because it looks small, um, it appears different than what we would think, and is that a determining, you know, a determining thing that we um, project value on something based on its size and appearance? Size and appearance do not determine personhood. That's my conviction. Size and appearance do not determine personhood. The L in SLED is level of development. So the questions to consider is, is a person's value defined by their ability, by what she or he can or can't do? Do we forfeit our rights as human persons, our claim to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness because we don't have the, capa the uh, capabilities others have? What if we could no longer play chess, run bases, read or remember? Our level of development, a lot of people say that, oh, the baby's not fully developed, so it's not really a baby, it's still a, a, a tissue. But if you kind of continue that conversation, the logic, so is level of development considered, uh, really, the level of development makes a person a person based on their level of development? I think it's a really legitimate uh, question to ask because we have a lot of people who are disabled and I think that they are valued as human beings just as equally as anyone else who is on a higher level of development. Personhood is not determined by level of development and abilities. And some of you are like, thank you, Jesus. E in SLED is environment. This is interesting. Um, baby Rachel was born prematurely at 24 weeks in the middle of her mother's second trimester. On the day of her birth, Rachel weighed one pound and nine ounces, but dropped to just under one pound soon after. She was so small she could rest in the palm of her dad's hand. She was a tiny living human person. And they, and they were doing all they can to keep her alive and maintain to try to get her to continue to live um, during, this, um, during this, 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 this stage whenever she was delivered prematurely. Um, but at the same time, in another clinic, at that same level of development, but the environment's different. One is outside the womb, the, the other one is in the womb. One can terminate that, and it's fine, and, and the other one, they're trying to make it live. And if the doctor kills the baby, then there are, it's treated like a human. And I'm going to get to that in a second as well. Um, 
location, inside or outside the womb, that seems to be, I remember talking to people, and, 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 and it's like, I just could not understand that you're basically saying one second it's not a human, another second it is. Like, do we, like, are we honestly, like, have, like, no common sense that the thing does not transform from one thing to another when it comes out? Like, to me, it was, like, really clear because I could not, having your first baby is amazing because you're, like, you believe it, but then when it comes out, you, you, you know, I'm, like, looking at the baby, looking at Maria, looking at the baby, like, this was in you? Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> um, the last thing that they talk about is the degree of dependency. If dependency on an external source makes one non-human, because the argument goes that, well, the baby cannot sustain itself, so it's de dependent on the, on the mom. So, but if you flush that out, um, if our source of dependency makes one human or non-human, how many people are dependent on machines nowadays? So, so personhood is not determined by dependency either. And to me, those are, those are pretty clear because I think that we have to create consistency in our conversation. You cannot just do things one way in this area and then shift how you think about it in another area. And I know in Christianity, we do this a lot. Like, we're like, God, God, this, this, this. But then it comes to this life, we shift, we change the rules, and we're not consistent with our belief system. And it confuses people because we have to be consistent. If it applies here, it has to apply there. And I love that God is consistent because if God was not consistent, then he would not be stable. Yesterday, he liked you. Today, he decided he doesn't like your eye color. So now he's going to be like, I don't know. I liked blue when Jesus was born, but now, not so much. That was a joke. Went flat. It's right. <laughs> I think it's amazing how scientists are looking for any little speck to indicate life on Mars. Like any bacteria, any little thing, and they just plaster. We found life. Oops, retract. No, we didn't. Boom, we found life, life, life. And yet, looking at a pregnant woman and not being able to see life, I think there should be a conversation about that as well. It's like, um, like, like there is no, it's not consistent, especially after the scientific stuff, because I haven't even gotten to any of the biblical stuff. Everything that I've talked about so far is, is scientific. It's not something that's like, that I made up. You can research all these things that I read um, and, and, and kind of just kind of like, like, like explore it for yourself. Um, so the personhood thing, I think it's a really big, like, okay, is it a person or not? And, and I said this too, like a while ago, and I never got a good um, response. And um, uh, I actually probably offended some people, so get ready. Um, but would we, would we be able to abort pregnant puppies? Would we have the same battle for animals? And it's a, for me, it's, it's, it's a question because I don't think that we would. I think that we would really treat pregnant uh, cats or dogs as being pregnant with cats or dogs. We don't call them fetuses and non-cat or non-animal related names. The other thing I want to I will say, so moving from this personhood thing, is this whole thing of legal. Um, a lot of people think that, um, that, oh, if it's legal, then 
it must not be murder. It must not be wrong. And, and this is like, this is a worst case scenario, but this is just, it, it hits the point home. Slavery was legal as well. So that's not a good gauge for us to know. And uh, like these laws with the Georgia's new abortion bill, you know, people are mourning it and they think it's the end of free rights and, 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 um, and civil rights and all these other things. And, and other people are celebrating it, you know, because like finally we, we can do away with abortion. And, you know, and whether you fall on it, it's good or bad thing or the Alabama's new law as well. Basically just very, like it bans all abortions. Uh, George is a little looser because it, it, you know, it'll, it won't allow you to have abortions once the, uh, the fetal heartbeat can be detected. But you have people who are celebrating and those who are upset. And, and it's actually really sad how, how um, the media and uh, the, mid, the late night shows are just kind of like just making so light of this conversation. It just, it's all fun and games and jokes to a lot of these people. And, I, and to me, like, I'm listening to it, I'm like, man, this, this breaks my heart because if it's, if it's, if it's, if it is a baby, like, in 10 years, it's like, legally, this is a baby, then we're, we're going to have to deal with all of the murders that we've committed as a nation. And that's like over 3,000 a day. I mean, it's, it's a serious matter. We have to figure out, like, when does, when is life, what brings value to life? And with the technologies that we have, I mean, there is a huge push not to allow women who are wanting to have an abortion to see their X, um, X-ray pictures, um, X-rays, right? Ultrasounds. Ultrasound. That's right. I was thinking ultrasound. Um, and, and even now with these laws, we have film, com- film companies who are boycotting states, and so we, we, like, it's like we have this like, such a divided thing because if you don't agree with me, then I'm going to boycott you and I'm going to bully you. And that's just, that's, that's not how we need to live as humanity. And churches boycotting these people, those people boycotting that. Like, like really, like, like, that's the best we can do as maturing adults? That's a way to have a mature adult conversation. But just because something is legal, it doesn't make it right. And just because something is illegal, it doesn't make it wrong. The laws have its, their place, but laws change. So if you're relying on the legal system to give you a moral compass, you will be really disappointed because it can change really quickly. And then you know who's left with the consequences? You and I. I've heard so many different stories of... Um, of people who have had abortions, and a lot of the troubles and the problems really begin to get flushed out after the abortion. And there's a lot of people who are on medication and trying to kind of uh, like just cope with what they've done. And you know, and even though they don't fully believe that it was a human because of the doctors and, and what they were you know said, and you know, but then they had, but then there's this thought like, but what if it was? Like, you have, to, you, you, you have to agree with me here. Like, that question, maybe it's small in your mind. For some people, it's big. For you, it's small. But you have to invite that question. What if this is a human life? What if the social media and the media and the Hollywood and lawmakers and the politicians, what if they are wrong? 
What if our nation is wrong? What if the whole world is truly wrong in, in their evaluation of these things? Um, should everything wrong be illegal? So as soon as we talk about legal stuff, you, you, you can't use that to really guide us. It's good for, for like overall, but, but just because it's wrong, it doesn't mean that it should be illegal. There's a lot of wrong things that we do that's perfectly legal. All right, who's going to raise your hand and say, yep, I'm involved in legal wrong activities. <laughs> right? Um, the, the last one before I, do, before I get into the biblical aspect is this concept of unwanted or for economical reasons. Um, you know, and and that's, a, that's a really hard, a hard topic, and I think this is where the church, I think, has failed in a lot of ways. We want people not to have abortions, but, but, but we're still struggling how to really help them not have an abortion. You know, like they make a choice to have the baby, but then where is the church? Where are we coming alongside of them and saying, hey, you're in a financial situation. We're going to come financially help you. Like, I understand where you are. I understand where you are. What you, what you, we will financially help. We will find, uh, you know, it will not cost you anything to give your baby up for adoption, for example. And I think if everybody in the Christian world adopts babies, I think we can eliminate orphans altogether. And so I think we really need to begin to ask God, say, God, it's, it's great if we vote this way or think this way or have this conversation, but what is, what is my actual tangible action here? Like, it's easy to yappity, 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 yappity. It's wrong, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. Right, help me. Well, uh, yeah, hypocrite. I think this is why we fail to, to have these kind of conversations because we, we feel inadequate to really even help. You know, like, we pray, and that's really good. And I think even as our church, like, we need to figure out how do we come alongside people to really... Um, to really help them in, in that need. Like this is abortion is one of them, but there's just a lot of issues that we just, as, as, as a body, tangibly, and not rely on the church to help, but say, God, what is, I mean, the, our first, and this is the one thing that we talked about in our church a while ago, is this, this concept of, of we have become um, irresponsible Christians. And we have projected responsibility on the organized church. Someone has a problem, go to the church. Someone has an issue, go to church. You need prayer, call the pastor. You want to do this, go to there. And we've just basically just said, oh, I'm not responsible. And I think what if, you know, I think, what, I, think, I think we can do much more as individuals more than we believe we can. And as an organization like a church where we have a lot of people coming together, I think that enhances change even more. But we cannot just project it on somebody else. We have to step in. We have to get our hands dirty. We have to feel the sweat we have to pray. We have to walk with people. We have to talk with them. We have to step in and, and, and step out of our self, selfish world and begin to walk with people. A lot, a lot of people are confused in a lot of different topics. This is one of them. This is not clean and cut and dry. It may be projected as this is it, but every single person, you know this. Like, like most of you in here probably believe that Jesus is God and God is amazing and he's for real and, and all this stuff the Bible says, but do you have those moments where you're like, is this really true? Of course you do. And if you're like, no, not me, dear God, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, we all do because that makes, that makes us human. We will always question, and especially when people are, like, offering, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering? Why doesn't God help? Why doesn't God? And when you, when you hit a, a, a circumstance or situation in your life, you question, what do I really believe? Is it really true? Like, when things are good, I believe it. When things are bad, I don't know if I believe it. So we question things, and that is fine. And everyone who's for abortion will, all, will, will also question um, their, you know, that, that stance as well. And that's what I want us to do, just to question our stance. For some of you to question how you maybe represent your stance or your stance completely. Say, you know, I believe this, but maybe I can need to look, look deeper. But I think adoption is a powerful tool. And I know there are organizations like this next generation is stepping into this whole thing of adopting people, of really eliminating orphans, and really just saying, hey, we have places for you. And they're, they're individual. I, I read a story, and, and this convicts me. There's this girl that she was just kind of like, like doing her thing, like, like standing outside of these clinics and just kind of like talking with people. And then you, you, and you see pictures of her like with different babies and different people, and then you see her at the, at the clinic talking and this and this and all this stuff. And then when you begin to kind of figure out what's going on, this, this girl by herself, she ended up committing, um, she, she, she had an abortion, and then she, her, her mind shifted after she had the abortion, and it shifted to such an extent where she, she, she took on this mantle to say, I do not want people, these girls, to be me, so I'm going to do everything in my power to help them not be me. And so single-handedly, she rescued over 300 babies in one year, one person. But we have to do more than just talk about this. Like, this conversation is good. You know, like, maybe it makes us think. Maybe you're offended. It's about time you got offended in church. It's been a while since I've offended anybody. But these conversations, I think, are vital to, to begin to have. But we have to really step in action. And as a, as, as a church, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm convicted about these things myself. So, so this is not projecting things on somebody. We have to know what we're talking about, truth and love. And, 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 that, and then we have to have action as well, biblically. And I want to wrap up with this thing. Um, what or who determines the value of human life? Is culture going to tell us the value of human life? Is our state or our country going to dictate what human life really is? Maybe it's a political party. Maybe they should have the role of saying and telling us the value of human life. Maybe it's the time that we live in or the place that we live in that will dictate to us the value of human life. And I think biblically, God gives us an answer to what values and where we find value in human life. And I'm going to read a few passages. Genesis 1 Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings. Uh, yeah, everything that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish and the birds of the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the water. The biblical stance is that God assigns value to humanity. 
And the way he assigns value to humanity is that all human beings are created in the image of God, the imago Dei. We are image bearers, God image bearers. Job 31.15, we read this. Did not the one who made me in the womb also make them? Did not the same God form us both in the womb? See, what's interesting with this passage and with Genesis, what we just read, is that when God was creating the world, he was saying, let there be, let there be, let there be. And we see, let there be, and there was. Let there be, and let, and, and it was. And then when we just read, just a little bit earlier, then God said, let us make. And I think, like, this changed how I see pregnant women right now. We assign, like, the nine months the way that I look at it is that God's hand is forming and making another human being in God's image. And Job is like, didn't the same God form us, not just me, but also them? Psalm 139, and this gets attributed to this. And if you really think about it and through this lens, it, it really makes so much sense. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. Like, I think we read through it like, oh, God formed us somewhere, somewhere in the heavens. No, it says God formed me in my mother's womb. That is such a powerful and a deep image for us to just grab a hold like God is formed, has formed us in our mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Yeah, that's amazing. We get these humans coming out of a woman's womb. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside out. Since God formed us inside out, he knows us inside out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. Well, it makes sense because you made me, so you would know how I was made. Bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I, before I even lived a day. Galatians 1, 13 verse, uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. I'm sure that you've heard the story of my earlier life when I lived in the Jewish way. This is Paul's writing to the church in, in um, Galatia. In those days, I went out, I went all out in persecuting God's church. Basically said, I killed people. I was a murderer. I murdered people. I was systematically destroying it. He was planning these executions and persecutions and murders. Systematically. Not just, I feel like I don't like you. Talk about strategically premeditated. I was so enthusiastic about the traditions of my ancestors that I advanced head and shoulders above my peers in my career. Even then, God designs 
Even then, God had designs on me. Why? When I was still in my mother's womb, he chose and called me out of sheer generosity. Now he has intervened and revealed his son to me so that I may joyfully tell the non-Jews about him, which is you and I, if you're not Jewish. I, I read this thing. It says, Jesus was a fetus. And it says, Jesus' first moment on earth were not in the manger, but in Mary. Jesus' body, his muscles and bones formed in the cavity of her body. That's, that's an amazing, amazing picture. God creates it. God creates life. He brings value to life. Sin devalues life, destroys life. But then God sent Jesus so that he can restore and redeem. So as I wrap up, uh, an interesting little note. We're going to pray and open up an opportunity even for all of us to just get before God because I think God wants us to do something. But what's interesting is, uh, you know how, how around Christmas time we have, um, you know, Christmas and then Xmas. And it's like, oh, don't take Christ from Christmas. But the truth of the matter is that the X actually represents Christ. So you say Christmas with Christ or Xmas, it's the same thing. So we are, again, being very mature adults, um, battling it out. But what's interesting, I came across this too, is that um, in the English language, the word fetus is defined as a developing human from usually two months after conception to birth. It is also interesting to know that in Latin, fetus means little one or little human. I was like, wow, thanks, Latin. <laughs> it also means offspring. <laughs> so, but I, I, and I, know, I know I'm going over a little bit this morning, but I, um, I, just, I also just want to say this, so moving, moving kind of away from abortion, like, um, we, we're, we're focused on abortion, and, and, I, and I, you know, I think, I mean, I, I, this is a heavy conversation. I hope that you can see that this is not something that, I, that I've talked about lightly. You know, I, there was humor in there, um, but this is not something where I'm like, okay, just do it and whatever. There's a lot of feeling. There's a lot of emotion. I, I, when I talk to people, uh, you know, I'm, I have apathy towards where people are and the difficulties that they may have. I, I mean, I remember when we were praying with our first baby, I was overwhelmed. And for me, like, God showed me, like, man, imagine if you were not married, if you did not have any finances, if you did not have any, you know, family around you, if you had people who were judging you because you got a girl pregnant out of Red Rock. And mind you, we came from a very religious uh, background, and God forbid people were excommunicated, uh, excommunicated from church if they were, you know, found with child before they were, they were married. Um, and it was like, and I, for some reason, God kind of like in that moment, that fear that I was, you know, thinking that first baby, the fear of the baby, of making sure everything's right, and thinking like, wow, what, what if I was in a place where I had no support, where I had no finances, where my, my future just really is like right over here, there's nothing beyond this, like lost all sense of hope. And when you begin to think about the, that environment, that mindset, 
it's, it, it makes sense where a lot of people are like, you know what, this is just too big of a burden. And when you come to a place, of, to a place where they kind of help you make a decision, you know, it, it becomes easier. And so what we need to do as a church is we need to do, a, there's a couple of things. The first thing is to, we need to realize that the abortion is really not the problem. The abortion is, a, is, is, is the result of a deeper problem. And the deeper problem is we have messed up our sexual human relationships. Like think about it, like God prescribed sexual relationships to be confined in a married state. So when babies are born, families are built, there's love, there's nurture. But when we go outside of God's will, then there are consequences to some of those actions. And I think what we really need to start talking about, yes, about, you know, abortion and then trying to love people through, but also talk about, you know, what is our sexual human relationships looking like in America? And I'm not even talking about the people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about you and you and you and you. You're not married. You're sleeping around. You're just whatever. You're, you know, you're just kind of like, just God loves me. God's going to forgive me. All is good. I think what's sad too is because because of some of, of our lifestyle, um, girlfriends get pressured by their Christian boyfriends to have abortions. Girlfriends feel pressure from the religious system, so that you know no one knows. Just thought if I can just move on with my life. So we cannot just isolate this one issue. We have to look at the full counsel of God and say, God, where we have gone wrong, correct our path as individuals, as the church, as a nation. But in the meantime, as we're living in this mess, let's be more loving and less judgmental. Let's be more embracive and less isolating and, exclus and excluding. You know people that maybe have had abortions or maybe are thinking of about having one or we're all connected to this and what, what, what we need to do this morning we're going to do two things as we wrap up and I know I already said we're going to wrap up but just hear me out um, we're going to first of all repent you know because I believe the Bible is pretty clear that value and humanity and this life is from God and when we take life that is murder um, but I also know a God who's not going to just leave us without a way to find freedom and redemption and forgiveness because he's the God who offers future in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our mistakes. So if you don't leave here hopeless, no matter where, if you've had an abortion or if you're thinking of one or if you've helped someone make one or if you funded one or wherever you find on your spectrum, I just want to let you know is that you just take it before God. God offers forgiveness to each and every person. So I hope that you don't go away from leaving here like, oh, I feel so bad. Yeah, if you feel bad, good, feel bad, but say, God, forgive me. I've done things, I've done this, and I just laid at your foot. I need freedom. I need love. I need to really need to release this that's, that's weighing down on your life. And God's offered. That's what he sent his son. He didn't send his son just for minor things. He sent his son so that people like Paul, who, who purposely and systematically killed people, God said, I can use you. If God can use Paul, he can use you. If God loved Paul, God loves you. If Paul had a church that, 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 that were afraid of him and then they embraced him, so will you. And if you don't have a place to go or if you want 
further conversation, if you want to talk with someone, if you want to pray with someone, please hear me. We are here for you. We will not judge you. We will love you. We will embrace you. We will walk with you. And I'll commit. We'll help you financially in, every, in any way that we can as a church. Just know you have a place. Know you have a place. So if everyone rise on your, on your feet. Being made in God's, in the image of God makes us humans valuable. Being made in the image of God makes all human equally valuable. God values life and not just whatever kind of life, but God offers life in abundance. He wants us to prosper, not just financially, but in our minds. He wants us to prosper in our health. He wants us to prosper when we love, when we serve people. He wants to give us freedom. He wants to walk with us. He wants to infuse us with hope. He has plans for your life and for my life. He just does not want to shame us. He wants to take our shame and turn it into something that will touch nations. And so the first thing that we may need to do right now is just say, God, and just pray in your own way, in your own words, God, just forgive us for how we continually mess up your ways, how we want to do things in our own accord, Father. And I just pray as a church, God, that we, we ask that you forgive us for for the murder of so many babies, God, whether we're informed or uninformed, Father, help us to look at all aspects of life as your gift. And so, God, as a church, God, we just repent that we may have just looked at this casually, maybe, God. Maybe didn't think too much about it, God. I pray that you convict us, Father. Lead us in a way so that we can bring hope and peace to those who are looking for hope and peace, Father. Make us more loving, more sensitive, more mindful, Father. Soften our hearts. Give us compassion and empathy, God. I ask that you send people our way that we can love on, Father. And I pray that you send us in people's way, God. As we adopt neighborhoods, God, as we adopt cashiers, Father, as we begin to have conversations, as we begin to pray for people that, that, that are in our life, that touch our life, Father, as a church, God, make us available. Make us available. In Jesus' name. And as we wrap up this one song, I just want to invite that if you want to talk to anybody, we're here for you. Like, again, if you have any questions as well, text them. You can do it on Facebook as well. Just hashtag, hashtag, go on our Odyssey Church page. You know, say, hey, I have a question. You said this. You know, I disagree. Just, just whatever, however you say, let's just begin to have this conversation and see what God will do with it. Are you guys good? Are you, you guys, guys going to come back next week? Yeah. So, uh,